Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 31 through 32. Wrestling with God. That, that's a phrase that we still use today. And it's used today in a variety of ways. Some people may use that really to talk about prayer. Uh, some people may talk about that with someone who has some kind of disagreement in their mind with God and they're wrestling with God there. But today we will go back to Genesis and see where that phrase comes from. And from the time when someone, well, they wrestled with God. And we're going to see that at the end of Genesis 32. Now, one thing I love about reading through the Old Testament like we're doing this year and just doing the commentary on the Old Testament, we get to see the context and the flow of the passage, which helps us. We've talked about how there's good examples in the scripture, but sometimes we're tempted to maybe overly get to a place where we just pull one nugget from here and one nugget from there, something that rings a bell with us or something that resonates with us. And we're just going to take that nugget and sometimes maybe out of context and think about that. But the way we're reading through it, it helps us to see the big picture, which as we're interpreting the Bible, we want to ask, what is God saying? God is the ultimate author of scripture. What is his meaning to his audience? Why are these things in the Bible? What is God telling us through them? And that's where we see a bigger picture of God and his plan through history and his promises to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to see today that our text connects with those themes as well. We're going to go through it and then at the end, focus a little bit more, even though it's not quite in the wrestling with God part. I think we see a great example of prayer in this passage, and then we will end with uh, the passage about wrestling with God. Now, we start in chapter 31, and it's clear, time's up. Uh, Jacob realizes his time with Laban is over, and it's time to go back. And really, the ultimate factor here is that God tells him. It says in verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred. And then he reiterates this promise that we've seen now through Jacob's story, and I will be with you. And Jacob, he highlights this fact that God has been with him. He calls his wives to him and says, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. And then we get more of what God said to Jacob later in the chapter in verse 12. God speaks to Jacob and tells him to see all of the possessions that he has. And God says, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. So God is showing Jacob that he is with him and telling him to go back home. And so that brings us back to an idea that we have seen. Then God was clearly with Jacob, but always God is with his people. And now we can count on that. We can count on God being with us. Now, there are some things that happen here that are not 
exemplary. The way Jacob goes about leaving show really a place of fear and not totally of faith. God has told him to leave, and so it's a good thing that he is uh, leaving, but we see that fear still plays quite a part in how he goes about it. Because in verse 20, it says, and Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. So he's being a trickster again, and he's running off without telling him, and Laban then tracks him down, and Laban is clearly not happy, even though he's warned by God. Another way, God shows he's with Jacob by providentially warning Laban about what is coming. And Jacob answers Laban in verse 31 and says to him, because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. So fear is influencing how Jacob leaves. And then there's this whole incident with uh, the gods and uh, Rachel hiding the gods and um, coming up with an excuse for why she's sitting on uh, the saddle. But we see even then in the rebuke that Jacob gives to Laban, him crediting God in verse 42. It says, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. So there we we see him crediting God, that, that God has been by his side. God has been with him. That is a clear theme of the story in Jacob. God has been with him. But then we get more into the drama in chapter 32 because Esau is coming and he's bringing 400 men with him. Now, what's Jacob's response to that in verse 7? Well, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Oh, wow. Uh, and we got to remember, fear is not what the Bible commends to us. Throughout the Bible, we will see over and over again, do not fear. Do not be afraid. So he's afraid here, but then what he does with that fear, I think, is a good thing. And this is where we'll spend some time uh, this morning, because when you are afraid, you know what one of the things you should do is? You should pray. You should take your fear and you should bring it to God. Uh, and we see, I think, a good example from Jacob in how to do that. Let me read his prayer. It's in chapter 32, starting in verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps." Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me and the mothers of with their children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make you and your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So I think we see some good things there for how we should pray. One, he prays with really a high view of God. I mean, I think that shows even in how he calls him, oh God of my father, Abraham, and the God of my father, Isaac. He's admitting some things even about the, the history that his people have with 
God. Another thing that you see is that there's a humility to his prayer. He says, I am not worthy of all the least of the the deeds of steadfast love. And along with that, notice there's an awareness. There's an awareness that God has been with him. And then a lot of what he does, he he brings his request to God, um, deliver me from the hand of my brother. But he reminds God of his promises. He's basing his request even on the word of God. So when you are afraid, what should you do? You should go to God and you should have a high view of God. Remember that God is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. You're praying to a God that has been a faithful God throughout all generations. Come to him with humility and gratitude. If you're coming God to des- desperate and asking like God, acting like God has never been good to you, you haven't been paying attention because if you are alive, guess how you are alive? God's grace to you. So we want to remember that. So come to God with a high view of God. Come just with gratitude to God and then bring your request to God like he does here. But bring requests. This should be the most of our prayers. Bring requests that are based on what God has revealed about himself, right? He's not just, God, please help me out with Esau because I'd like that. God, this is what you've promised. We need even in our prayers to go back to the promises of God. God, you've promised to, to give wisdom. God, you've promised to work things together for good. God, you've promised that you will be with me. We need to bring God's promises to him in prayer. And that's when we can pray with real confidence because we know as we're seeing in Genesis, God will keep his promises. And so we can trust that when we bring God prayers based on his promises, we know what the answer will be. And then we get to uh, Jacob planning and uh, trying to bring gifts to Esau, trying to be diplomatic in this situation. But then we come to wrestling with God. And this is, I will admit, a very interesting passage. There's a lot of different takes and opinions about this passage. And with a lot of things in the Bible, well, we, we only know with authority what the Bible tells us. And there's one thing I do think the text highlights for us, instead of getting into all of what, what does it mean that he's wrestling and the significance of all these things, look at one thing the text highlights, and that is the blessing of God. And not only that God blesses Jacob, but that Jacob seeks to be blessed, right? There's this wrestling and the the, the person, the man wrestling with Jacob says, let me go for day has broken. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then uh, the man asked, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And it says later, there he blessed him. So there's a lot of interesting things. I lean towards the view that this is God, uh, probably a theophany, or perhaps even more specifically, a Christophany. But what the text clearly emphasizes is he blesses him, and that this really does reflect a blessing of God. Uh, Jacob seeks the blessing of God, and Jacob receives the blessing of God. So whatever other details may be mysterious to us about this passage, The text, I think, is clearly highlighting that. 
And that should be exemplary for us. We should be people who seek the blessing of God. If you don't have divine blessing, what good is anything else? And we know through the scripture, the path to divine blessing ultimately is going to come through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that because we know what happens past Genesis 32. We know the whole Bible, and that is the path to divine blessing. And if you don't have divine blessing, what good is anything else? So may we be people that wrestle with God in the sense that we seek his blessing above anything else. And may we be people who faithfully pray and bring our requests to God in light of the character of God and based on the promises of God. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.